0: Amen. We're in Acts chapter 2 today. Uh, we just finished a chronological study through the four Gospels, and now we are um, going through the book of Acts. It's, um, it's relevant to today in that we're still living the book of Acts. The book of Acts never really ended. It just the letter ended. The book ended, but we are still actively the church living in the season of Acts. So we're going to be picking it up in verse 13 today. But we left off last week with this crowd that had formed. And they came out because they were all there for Pentecost. Many of the Jews were uh, from out of town. Uh, The diaspora had happened already when they all ran away and left. Um, The uh, Jerusalem because of the persecution there. Many of the Jews went to other regions, but they still came back for whenever there were um, these holy days that they were supposed to come and worship together. And that's what they were doing here for Pentecost. They came in to town from all over uh, the regions around there. At that time, Jesus had told the disciples to go in to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. He was going to send the Holy Spirit and they were together, 120 of them were gathered together. Now this 120 of them were there when Jesus ascended. So they knew together that Jesus was sending them to Jerusalem. And they were there together in this upper room. And as they were in this upper room, the sound of the wind started up. It was very loud in that room. It was loud enough to attract the attention of the people that were in the surrounding area. They could hear that there was something unusual going on. It wasn't an Amazon truck sitting out in front of the house playing bump music, you know? And I don't know why these guys, when they deliver my stuff, they have to play their music as loud as they can. They're coming up. I know they're coming before they even get to my house. Because, uh, and and so um, it's not like that because they didn't have, you know, the radios. And, and they only had their voices and they could make noise with, Um, their instruments and with tools and so on and so forth but they heard a sound of wind and it had to have been so loud that it drew their attention in Uh, some people say oh no they heard the disciples speaking in other tongues well Why would that be unusual? All it was, was people speaking in other languages and anywhere you go in Jerusalem, you would hear people speaking in other languages. So it was the sound of this noise that sounded like wind that uh, was drawing them out. And so the disciples then left this upper room, went out into the street, they were speaking in other languages. And the list of languages was 15 different dialects they were speaking. And so all of the people that were out there were like, who are these guys? They're Galileans and they're speaking in our language. We understand what they're saying. And what they're saying, they're talking about the wonderful works of God. Wow. That's what tongues is all about. It's speaking the wonderful works of God so that other people hear it and say, I want to know that God. I want to know who that is. Who is the God that does all of these works? Who is the God that loves us so much that he sent his son to the cross to die for us? Who who is that? And That's why all these Jews were out there listening to them speak. And now they're going to respond to this event. Today's message is titled, What Does It Mean? Acts chapter 2. We'll pick it up in verse 12 instead of verse 13. And it says, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And in verse 13 it says others mocking said they are full of new wine. There's always going to be mockers. There will always be mockers. No matter what you believe, no matter what you can prove, there will always be people that will mock you for what you believe. And this is no exception. And so here they are, speaking in these other tongues, that wasn't amazing enough, they were speaking of the wonderful works of God, and it had something to do with them um, being drunk. I have never heard drunk people all of a sudden fluently speak in another language. (laughs) If you drink too much vodka, do you start speaking Russian? You know, get a little too much tequila? Do you start speaking Spanish? I don't think so. Okay, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, So this obviously wasn't just, but people will always try to make things um, just coincidence. Oh, this is just something that happens. Oh, it happened to my uncle one time, I remember, and, and he started speaking fluently in, in another. It doesn't happen without a supernatural impact in someone's life to be able to give them the ability to speak in another language. And obviously, that's what this was. It was a work of the Holy Spirit. They would rather believe in coincidence than believe in God And that God would have the power to do something like this. If you don't believe in God today and you happen to be here with us, I'm not gonna speak in another tongue to get you to believe in Him. That wouldn't change your mind at all. You would just say, I'm weird. But uh, the fact is that if we're sitting here together today, to read the word of God, to worship the one who put this word in our hands, the most purchased and read book in history, if we have all of this, that's not enough evidence. You know what the evidence is? The evidence is in how we live our lives. You see, we don't live our lives... Like the world lives, we live our lives for God. Now, some of us do a better job than others. I know sometimes people look at my life and say, Wow, that, he's a Christian? You've heard that before, haven't you? Well, that's not how a Christian would act, you know? And the fact of the matter is, Christians are still humans, right? We have the Holy Spirit, but we still have the flesh. Well, oh, Paul was frustrated with the flesh. He's like, you know, I, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. You know, it's this thinking flesh. But I don't make excuses saying, well, I, I have flesh so I can do whatever I want. It, uh, it's the fact that I'm in... No, we also have the Holy Spirit. It's who we feed. Are we feeding the flesh or are we feeding the Holy Spirit? And the one we feed the best, um, he's the one that comes out on top. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor, it looks like you've been feeding that flesh pretty good, because, um, you know, and, and you talk about ribeyes all the time, you know, and. and you know what, Um, I I do, uh, I I do eat, uh, you know, and I do feed myself, but I also spend time every single day in the Word. And there is nothing that fills me better than the Word of God. And that's the same for all of you. I mean, if you spend time in this, you're gonna be satisfied. Uh, I, I can't even explain. For someone that doesn't know the Holy Spirit, there's no way to explain the Holy Spirit. He's like the wind. You can see the effect of the wind. You can see trees moving and you can hear the sound, but uh, you can't explain it. You, that's like trying to explain the color blue to someone that's blind and has never seen colors before if you try to explain the color blue it would be like well you know blue it's kind of cool oh well then when it's summertime we should paint everything blue then we would it would be cool all the time we wouldn't have the heat that we have no it doesn't it's what we imagine in our mind but you can't explain it so in the same way those that are filled with the Holy Spirit can't explain everything the Holy Spirit does in our lives because he's also very personal and he personally we can explain it they still won't get it right word of God is foolishness to those that perish but to us it's the power of God Verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. And so Peter is trying to make a, a, an observation. It's nine o'clock a.m., you know, the, the, these aren't drunk. Well, I'm sure that there were some at 9 a.m. that were still drinking. You know, but people nowadays, you know, well, it's, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, you know, so I'm going to drink. And, but that's not how it was back then. They didn't live like that back then. And Peter begins now to address the crowd with his, this plea when he says, heed my words. You see, that's important to us because it's not so much Peter that we have to heed his words, although he's telling them to do that, but his words are going to be scripture. He's going to start explaining and speaking the words of God through the prophet Joel. And so he's saying, hey, heed the words that I'm speaking because these guys aren't drunk. This is something that's powerful. Verse 16, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so now Peter reminds these skeptics that the prophet Joel said, who is the prophet Joel? He's one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And so Jews gathering together from all over the place, these are Jews. And if they're there for the celebration, they are observant Jews. They're not Jews that, oh, they come around once in a while for, uh, you know, a little falafel and stuff. No, these are guys that are there for the worship of God. And they have heard the prophet Joel before. They have heard the prophet Isaiah. They've heard David and his Psalms. They've heard the Proverbs. They've heard the first five books of the Bible because the Pharisees would teach all of that. And they heard all of these things. And so as he starts quoting from the prophet Joel, they may not have remembered everything that Peter is saying, but Peter, now I just want to remind you, Peter didn't grab a scroll out of his backpack and say, let me tell you what the prophet Joel said. He didn't do that. He just started speaking what the prophet Joel said. How did he do that? Well, Jesus says that when it's time for you to speak, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. I will give you the words to speak so you don't have to prepare for that. Some people take that out of context saying, I never have to read the Bible. I'll just wait until Jesus puts the words in my mouth and the Holy Spirit will, you know, bring them to m- The only way that the word can be brought to your remembrance is if you read it in the first place. You can't remember something that didn't happen. Although half the stuff that have happened in my life, I can't remember. You know, I I have other people telling me things that, oh, do you remember when you did this? No. No. I don't. Tell me about it. Was it good? Was it? Oh, don't stop telling me about that. I don't want to hear about that story. I was just so recently, you know, with a friend of ours. I haven't seen him in years. And, and I started telling him a story uh, that took place when we were teenagers, when we went camping. And I told him this whole story. He's like, don't remember any of it. <laughs> Not even a little bit of it. You don't remember? You don't remember when we we saw the UFO? And and I'm I'm being serious. Okay. And and he said, no, I don't. And he said, hold on. Yeah, I kind of do. It was a weather balloon, by the way. But, um, you know, we didn't know at the time. I'm from New York. Didn't see too many weather balloons in Queens, you know. And and so... um, you know, when I re- recollect things from my past, I can only remember little snippets of things. He couldn't remember anything, you know? And and so um, that's just the way we are, but we need to be in the word and read the word because when it's time for me to remember the word, I remember it. It comes to my mind just, and quite often, I'll start quoting in King James. Now, I teach out of the New King James, but I start quoting out of the King James. Why? Because that's what I learned. I learned in the King James, and so I remember Scripture in the King James, and and people are like, well, what version is that? Oh, that's King James, even though uh, I'm teaching here out of the New King James uh, today. So now he's going to quote uh, the prophet Joel, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, he's explaining to them, this is what you're seeing right now. You're seeing the Holy Spirit being poured out on these disciples, and they're speaking in other languages. And it will come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And I shall show wonders in heaven and above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 17 explains that God will pour out his Spirit on all flesh. That began in this day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on these disciples and they went out and they were speaking in tongues now what about unsaved people was the Holy Spirit poured out on them too it says all flesh so the Holy Spirit was poured out it wasn't received you see we're told that we are lured, God draws us in through the Holy Spirit. He woos us by his Holy Spirit. And so the only way for us to be wooed by the Holy Spirit is if the Holy Spirit is present with us. He's not dwelling within us because we haven't invited him to, but he's there. He's making a way. He is the one that speaks to us people know the right and wrong things to do, you know, and, and people choose to do the wrong things. And what happens when they continue to do the wrong things over and over again, they become like Pharaoh. Their heart is hardened and they get to the point where they don't hear the voice of God anymore. We as Christians need to be careful because that can happen to us too. Oh, we may be, walking like christians other people see us and say oh they have a good walk they have a good talk they don't curse uh, they they don't break the speed limit that's none of us but i mean other christians do that and 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 so um you know when people see us and recognize the fact that we live differently uh, well what makes us different but we have to be careful, too, that we don't turn off the Holy Spirit in certain areas of our lives where we think we are okay, where we get comfortable with how we're living. Well, God hasn't killed me yet, so I must not be sinning. We can't be comfortable with sin. People sometimes get comfortable with sin. They're okay with sin. Is gossip sin? Absolutely. The Bible talks about it, but some people are okay gossiping. Is lying sin? Yes. But some people are okay lying. Is bitterness sin? It could be. See, bitterness leads to hatred, leads to anger, leads to frustration. All those things that in the life of a Christian uh, is... A method of sinfulness it's a way that leads us into sin and we're supposed to avoid sin we're not supposed to be dwelling on things that lead us into sin this is a tough message for us to hear because we like to think that we're sin free um, None of us are. You know, the only freedom we have is through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, because what he did for us on the cross. And now we are set free because of what he has done. But we still live in the sinful flesh. But that doesn't mean we can't allow the Holy Spirit to control that sin, to control our flesh. We have to give him the freedom to do that we have to be the ones to say you know what I want you and and so that means we have to listen to the Holy Spirit and when when the Holy Spirit says stop doing that we have to stop because if we keep doing that then we grow cold to the Holy Spirit in those areas of our lives and it kinda breaks communication with our God that wants to speak to us every day. So we have to be sensitive to that. So he's going to pour his spirit out on everyone, but on his men servants and maid servants, he's going to pour out his spirit in the last day, and they shall Prophesy. I know that a lot of people, a lot of churches out there talk about prophecy, and it's about foretelling the future. Part of what prophecy is, is foretelling the future. But there is nothing new under the sun. And there is no new prophecy that we need to hear because we have a complete book of prophecy the Bible is 30 something percent prophecy. And so when people say, well, well, I don't believe in prophecy I don't want to study prophecy. I don't want to do all that. Oh, so you're just going to throw out 30% of the Bible and say, well, I don't agree with that. I don't want to hear that. No, we have to listen to all of the Bible because if we throw any part of it out, then we become God then we're saying, oh, I don't need to listen to you in this area, God. Or I don't think this is what you're saying. I would rather interpret it this way. I think it means this. Well, I know the Holy Spirit corrects us when we think something is wrong. But if we keep listening to the wrong interpretation over and over again, we get led astray and we go in the wrong direction. We need to prophesy and that's through the word of God. We This is prophecy. This is the book of prophecy. And so when we teach from the word of God, we're prophesying. So as I teach up here and read the scripture, see, some of my comedy may not be prophecy, but it keeps you amused. And the things that I read out of the scripture, that's prophecy, that's the truth. And so if you don't remember anything else about what I teach, remember the scripture that I read because it is where the power is, not in uh, just my interpretation of the scripture. I'll show you wonders in heaven and signs in the earth blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood when are these things going to take place? in Revelation so he's talking to Jews that are in Jerusalem 2000 years ago these things haven't happened yet what does that mean? they're still gonna happen. But he's not talking about something he just made up. It was written by Joel in the Old Testament. So it was written many years before he's even talking about these things. And so, because they haven't happened yet, we know that they will happen, and we know when, too, in the book of Revelation. It tells us how these things are going to happen, how it's going to look, what it's going to appear like. Not when, as in a date, but chronologically, I can tell you when it's going to happen before Jesus returns to earth for the second time. But after the rapture. Because we as Christians aren't told that we're going to go through the wrath of God, that we're not going to experience the wrath of God. And so if we're not going to experience the wrath of God, then we're not going to see these things happening, the sun being turned into darkness. That'll solve the climate change problem and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And, and so, All of these things are going to take place, and when we read the book of Revelation, it is frightening. The stuff in the book of Revelation. There are some people that are amillennialists, they believe that the whole book of Revelation took place in 70 A.D. If you read what happens in the book of Revelation, you would know that's impossible because none of those things, not not none, but most of those things had not taken place yet they're going to. The, the amount of death that's going to take place on the earth. The, the amount of water that's going to turn to blood. Uh, the, uh, amount of uh, the amount of earthquakes, uh, the amount of impact from meteors and, and fire raining down from the sky. I haven't seen that. And if they would have seen it then, they would have written about it. But None of that has taken place. And so we know that we're talking about before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. He has not come yet. And so we're in that time span before he comes. In verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling on the name of the Lord. We're not just talking about using a phrase. You know, uh, some people believe that. Oh, well, I said that. I used that phrase. You know, Jesus, forgive me, enter into my life. And, they, and they, that's not calling on the name of the Lord, really. You know, when do you call on someone's name? When you need help, right? And you call for them. You know, when I'm sitting in my chair in the bedroom. And I've got a little sniffle. My head hurts. Honey, (laughs) honey, come here. Oh, stop complaining. Just get your crutches and get in here. God healed your foot. Come on. Uh, Can you get me some tea? (laughs) That will make everything better. You know, and that's not what we're talking about here. You know, when we call on the name of the Lord, um, we're calling on him to rescue us because we know we need to be rescued. We recognize that we need to be rescued. If you have never recognized your need to be rescued by the Lord, then you need to spend some time considering that, reading what the Bible has to say. In John chapter 3. Because without him, we're lost. John 3.3 3 says you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. Born again? Nicodemus didn't understand a thing he was talking about. What? Must I enter into my mother's womb a second time and, and be born? This is a ruler... This is a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews, a teacher. He didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. But we can understand what Jesus was talking about because he explained it all to us. And we have been born again. When you're born again, you know it. Amen. There's no doubt. You, you don't say, Well, I, I said the words. No, it, it's not the words, it's the heart change it's the change in heart that makes the difference in your life and we sometimes our our hearts are fickle and our hearts fluctuate we get offended by things that people say and our hearts get bitter and we struggle with things on but our hope isn't in anything on this earth Our hope is in what Jesus Christ has done and eternity with him. That's where our hope is. And I want to clarify something. You can't work it off once you leave this earth. There is no place to work off the sin as in, oh, wow, I, I... I missed the rapture. Well, most people that believe in working off their sin don't believe in a rapture. But they believe that once they die, they have this place they can go and work off the sin. What? Taking the trash out in heaven? What what, what are you going to do during that time? There is no second chance. We have to make the chance here. We have the opportunity to choose today who we're going to serve. We get to make, today is the day of salvation. And so we get to choose today what we're gonna do with what we believe. If, if we don't make a choice, then that's our choice. And I know people don't like that, that answer, but it's the truth. You know, I have not won the lottery yet. I haven't bought a ticket either, but I haven't won. And I really want to. And, and, but, you know, so we have to make a choice and there's no buying a ticket to get into heaven. We just have to make a choice. If we receive, it's free. You don't even have to buy a ticket. It's free, the choice that we get to make. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream. We don't have a lot of that going on um, in our church today. Um, But it's not to say that it's not happening. It's happening all over the world. Seeking Allah, finding Jesus. People are seeking for God and they're finding God uh, in the, the places that they didn't expect. Uh, and there are many people in foreign lands that they're not allowed to be Christians because their their system says, you know, we're we're going to kill you if you convert. If you leave our religion, you're dead. Not only dead to us, you're dead. We're going to kill you. And they still do it. Why? See, that I believe, is the greatest evidence of all when people are willing to die for the truth. When people, you know, it, it, sometimes we get caught up in what we have, but when you don't have anything and Jesus is all you have, he's enough. And, and you know, we have an abundance So it kind of clouds our vision a little bit. But when there's nothing, when you have absolutely nothing, and then Jesus comes in, you, you need nothing else. You're satisfied to the full. So Peter says we just have to call on the name of the Lord. Paul tells us that calling on Jesus is made possible by the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, therefore, in verse Corinthians 12, 3, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Which means that if we truly from our heart believe that Jesus is Lord, it's because the Holy Holy Spirit has got us to the point where we can say that. Where he has come in and he has taken residence in our lives. The enemy is going to do everything he can to make you believe that's a lie. To make you believe you have to do something else. You're not good enough. You're, you're, You're... you know, a rotten person. He's right. We're not good enough. And all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. But our hope isn't in our righteousness. Our hope is in his righteousness. And so if we trust him, if we trust what he has given us through the of his Holy Spirit, we're good. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Peter's going to go into detail now about who Jesus is as he's speaking to these men. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst as you yourself No, so God revealed, basically what he's saying is, God revealed to you who Jesus is through the miracles, the signs, the wonders that he did. You know it because you heard about it and you even saw it. Some of these people saw the miracles of Jesus. And they were still there shouting, crucify him. Remember, this is only 50 days after the resurrection Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and have put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So Peter is now becoming so bold in his faith, he's being led by the Holy Spirit, he's explaining things to them, that they should know already because they were raised in this. When John the Baptist asked Jesus if he was the Messiah, Jesus responded with the many prophecies that we hear here. And each of them were talking about healing the blind, the lame, the lepers, teaching the poor. That was the indication of who he was. And he was doing those very things. The evidence wasn't so much in the reports that came back to Jerusalem from Galilee and from the places where Jesus went and healed people and and even brought people back from the dead, Lazarus and Bethany, and he brought him back from the dead. It wasn't just from the reports. It was the fact that Lazarus was there. He was there to share. Oh, yeah, that was the one that was dead. Yep. Called me out of the tomb. You know, I didn't want to come back. But here I am. You know, because if I was Lazarus, all right, he wasn't in heaven. He was in the holding place until Jesus came and then released everyone from that holding place. See, the Jews had all these scriptures. And... I'm sure the Spirit now is opening their heart to the truth because they had heard all of this before. They knew. And you know when someone tells you something and you know it's the truth, you just don't want to admit it, but you know, and, and you just, you know. You know, I, I, I believe the Cardinals are going to win the Super Bowl this year. And... Yeah what you know that's not happening right they're not even in it you know but here when the holy spirit speaks the truth you just know it and they knew what was being said now peter uh, as all of this is going on peter is going to refer to the prophecies of david he just talked about the prophecies of joel and now he's going to the prophecies of David to prove that Jesus is the Messiah in verse 25. And he says, for David says concerning him, Jesus, I foresaw the Lord Always before my face, and he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. God will not leave David's soul in Hades nor will his Holy One, the Messiah, see corruption. Those two prophecies were fulfilled. David died. They had his bones, okay? and He died, but his soul went to Hades, went to this place that was a holding place. It was Abraham's bosom, that he was in. And you remember the story of the rich man and, and then um, Lazarus, not the Lazarus, but another one. And, and he was a beggar, a poor guy. And, and the rich man wanted Lazarus to bring him just a drop of water to put on his tongue because he was so miserable where he was. And Abraham said, sorry, there's a big chasm. You can't come over here. And besides that, Lazarus was the poor guy. He didn't have anything. You lived a great life. You had everything given to you. And now he's got the good life and you're stuck. Jesus, after he died, went down and he took those captives to heaven. He was only gone three days, and that's how come his body didn't see corruption. And then he was fully restored and came back to earth to prove that he had power over life and death. And you have made known to me the ways of life and you will make me full of joy in your presence. This is David writing, but he's writing a prophecy about the Messiah, about Jesus who's going to do these things. This is for us. You see, the difference is, we're not gonna have to go to Abraham's bosom. When we die, the last thing we see on earth, when our eyes open, it'll be heaven. That'll be the first thing we heaven. What's it gonna look like? I have no idea. I have no, but it's gonna be better than here. The most beautiful sunset here the, the most gorgeous I, I mean I've seen some beautiful sun here in in, in Fountain Hills we do get, have some beautiful sunrises and sunsets go up to the Grand Canyon and it's just awesome you take a picture you bring it home it's like doesn't do it any justice you know and, and it's like but heaven when we see heaven the best thing we've ever seen on earth is going to be like What we scrape off the bottom of our shoe. Because it's going to be glorious. Not only because of what we're going to see, the things, because God's there. And it's just going to be amazing. He continues, men and brethren, let me speak. This is Peter freely to you of the patriarch david that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day hey still got bones there are in the tomb therefore being a prophet and knowing that god has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body according to the flesh he would raise up the christ to sit on the throne he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of christ and so peter is just explaining it out the same way i just did but he's saying it to them that in a way that they understand exactly what he's saying that his soul was not left in hades nor did his flesh see corruption he's just stating facts now at this point this Jesus, God, has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. The 120, they were there when he ascended into heaven. It's the same people that were there. And so they saw this happen, and we were witnesses, he says. Therefore, Being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. He poured out this Holy Spirit upon them which they now see. They're seeing all of these Galileans speaking in foreign languages that they can understand. It's their language. And I understand what these guys are saying. It's amazing the technology that we have today. You can speak into a phone, it can interpret what you're speaking so that you can understand, so the person that doesn't speak your language can understand because they can hear it, they can see it, they can read. And it's amazing uh, the technologies that we have today. They didn't have Siri. Okay? They they didn't have technology back then. Their technology was, you know, a a writing utensil with ink and some paper, a scroll. It wasn't really paper. And that's what they had. But they knew that what Peter was talking about was real, was true. It was being evidenced right before their very eyes in the form of these people speaking in tongues. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And so that's where our Lord is, in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father until the enemies are made the footstool and this is a wonderful psalm, psalm 16 that you can read and and understand what uh, Peter is talking about here David has a joyful heart knowing that his soul will not remain in Hades we can have a joyful heart knowing that our soul will never see corruption, that our soul will be taken if we leave this earth today. The rapture is about taking us off of the earth, body and soul. Woo, woo ready for that? Okay, because then I won't have to go through the pain of dying, you know? I won't have to go. The only pain that I have to worry about are the migraines I get once in a while, you know, or, or the, the struggles of getting old, you know. You sit in a chair for two hours and I get up and my hip forgets how to work, you know. And, and you know, silly things like that, that's just part of being human, right? But once we leave this earth, uh, we're going to go, it says that the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead, those dead bones of David, they're going to go meet up with his soul. They're going to rise first. And then we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the air to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. Uh, I know that some people have trouble with that. Some people say, well, That's not in the Bible. The rapture is not, the word rapture isn't in the Bible. Yes, it is. The word is harpazo. And it's interpreted rapturo in the Latin. And so it is in the Bible. It's just, if you're reading a Latin Bible, then it is. Then you look and it's there. Rapture, it's there. The Trinity isn't in the Bible, but we know that there's a Trinity. We believe in the Trinity. And so when we see these things David is talking about, or Peter is talking about referring to what David saw, we can know they're all true and it's all going to take place. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to these things. David wrote, you will show me the path of life. When David wrote it in the Psalm, he said, you will show me the path of life. Peter states in, in verse 28 in Acts 2, you have made known to me the ways of life. You see, because David is no longer in Hades. He's now there in heaven. And the ways of life have been made known to him. That's that's exciting. As we close today, we recap what we learned so far in this chapter. In verse 1, we learned that the church was waiting for the Spirit to be sent, as God promised. So, we're waiting. Are we really waiting? No. If we're Christians, we're not waiting anymore. We receive the Holy Spirit. Now we're just waiting to get out of here. We're waiting for the bus to come, for the train, right? And we're going to get on. And we're out of here. There's no train. It's just going to, it's twinkling of an eye. We're out of here. And do we pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, though? We should. We should pray on a regular basis, Lord, fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Not because the Holy Spirit is faded or anything like that. It's just the fact that, you know what? I, I, I need to take a shower every day. Not because I'm I'm a dirty person, because I need to take a shower every day just to be re-cleansed. And the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are walking around in this dirty, sinful world. And we need a refreshing of the Holy Spirit to be cleansed, to be strengthened, to be vitalized, revitalized, and and It's the Holy Spirit that's going to do the great work out there. Not us. It's the Holy Spirit. But when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit all kinds of godly things come out of me. Not out of my flesh, but out of me. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that inspires them, incites them. Have we called on the name of the Lord to be saved? Then let's act like it. That's sometimes the hard part too, is we're still full of ourselves we can't be full of the Holy Spirit if we're full of ourselves so let's empty ourselves and let's fill ourselves up with the Holy, we should be doing all these things Uh, we read this account in Luke uh, from Luke in Acts chapter 2 what does it mean to us? it it should mean something important because everything that took place 2,000 years ago, and we're still living the book of Acts today. We are still seeing the fulfillment of Scripture today. Prophecy still continues to be fulfilled before our very eyes. And I could sit up here and speak to you about all the prophecies that have taken place since that time and today and there's a bunch of them and there's still a bunch more to come and we're seeing it it's like we're watching all of the chess pieces being put on the board and lined up ready to play the game everyone's in position and we're seeing that more and more when i watch the news um, it, it's kind of like watching Comedy Central. It, it, it's, it, it, you just don't know what you're going to hear from some of these people in the news. But when I watch the news, I don't watch it to criticize what's going on. And I'll tell you why. I could care less. I look at the news through the filter of Scripture, and I know what's coming next. And so it just prepares me and gets me excited we should be excited. Woohoo! And and we can live in excitement. We can the world is not going to drag me down any further than I let it. So let's not let it drag us down. Amen.